Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast. Transgenderism, or the idea that a person's gender identity can differ from what it was at birth, has really become a hot topic in the news this year. We've seen lawsuits. We've seen legislation that has impacted everything from athletics to education to the workforce. What does the Bible say about gender identity transgenderism, and how should the church respond to the cultural conversation that's currently taking place right now? First of all, we always go to Scripture. And in the beginning, the Bible is very specific. Genesis 1.27, God created male and female. So the idea of uh, human sexuality or sex or gender is God's idea. Uh, He created everyone as either male or female. Uh, not other genders and not both genders. Uh, And so that's God's plan. Uh, We also see this as biological reality, that the human race is propagated because there are these physical differences at the genetic level. Every human child is born genetically as male or female. Now, there are some rare cases of genetic anomaly, uh, but we would say, with that that did not come from God's creative intention, but after sin, the human race fell, and that's caused sickness, disease, and any kind of genetic uh, anomaly or uh, any kind of mistaken um, genetic material is not from God's original plan. And while we can have compassion and respect in those extremely rare cases, uh, we should not use that to overturn basic policy or God's basic plan. Rather, we should consult medical professionals in what's the best way to handle a truly rare uh, genetic or physical uh, anomaly or illness or disease or um, uh, some type of brokenness from the fallen creation. Uh, But in general, what we have, uh, and this has become very prominent in recent years, of course, is some people thinking, well, I'm actually Uh, a man or a woman's body or vice versa. Now, traditionally, that's been regarded as uh, a a mental uh, malfunction or mental disorder. And so as with any other disorder, you try to treat it. So you would try to help the person understand this is who you are. This is the way you were born. This is the way you were created. This is your physical, biological identity. This is what science tells you. And so we want to help you conform your mistaken thinking to the reality around you. And that's how we treat everybody that has some kind of struggle, not to create a fantasy or to cater to a fantasy, but to help them understand the reality. And with children, uh, science has shown often or sometimes little children might in play or in imagination uh, think of themselves as the opposite. And usually, uh, historically, we haven't treated this as a big deal, but we simply correct them or we say, no, you're really a boy or no, you should be wearing a girl's clothing because you are a girl. And most of them quickly um, relate to that or accept that. 
in rare cases where there seems to be some ongoing struggle, usually with nothing more than talking or counseling, the vast majority of children just grow out of that. Uh, it's, it's actually very rare for that to persist. And so what's happened in our current culture because of ideology, it's not Bible, of course, and it's not science, but this ideology has grabbed hold of people. And it's only possible because of advances in medical science. I mean, throughout history, you couldn't uh, change your sex. Now you can sort of, um, you can't actually change the reproductive system. If you're a man, you can't uh, have surgery so you can have a baby. Uh, at most, you can uh, physically transform the person so they look like the opposite sex, but they can't function like the opposite sex. You can give them hormones to suppress the biological scientific expression of that person. And so you can alter it with hormones and and uh, surgery, but you can't actually make that person function as the opposite sex. At best, for example, you can make them sterile. Now, isn't this strange because there is no other situation in medical science where the cure doesn't actually give you what you're wanting, but actually destroys what you are without replacing it with what you want to be. So we would never allow any other kind of surgery. For example, there are some people who actually feel like uh, they should be disabled or differently able that they should be paralyzed or they shouldn't have an arm and we don't have surgery to cut off their arm to conform the reality to their imagination but rather we give them cognitive therapy to say no you have an arm you should have an arm you should function as a whole person um, so there is no other kind of medical treatment so to speak that actually destroys a function um, so that should be a clue that something really wrong is going on. Now, we can have compassion for people who are caught in this situation. But what we really would look at is experiences in their past or uh, things that they've learned online. Or in some cases, it's become almost a social phenomenon where people feel like they want to identify with a minority because there's such an emphasis on uh, how people are being treated. And there's actually kind of reward if you become part of this oppressed minority or this misunderstood minority. In fact, there's an interesting book. It's not from a Christian perspective. It's from a Jewish perspective, a secular perspective. So we don't agree with everything in it. Uh, but it's a, a very interesting book by Abigail Schreier called Irreversible Damage. And what it says, there is a phenomenon, particularly with preteen and teen girls. So girls at that age are very vulnerable to their, especially in our culture, to their body image, feeling inadequate, feeling like they're not fully a woman, they're too fat, they're too skinny, they're not pretty enough, there's something wrong with them. And so there's a lot of anxiety, insecurity, uh, depression, uh, even sometimes suicidal thoughts. Well, to some extent, this transition during puberty and adolescence is, is, is normal, but it's been exacerbated by the pressures of modern society. So what has happened in recent years is young people, particularly girls, they're going through this struggle. Normally, they would go to their parents and be reassured if they had a real 
issue. They would go to counseling and be reassured, and they would safely transition from uh, this confused state to being a mature woman that accepts their body, accepts who they are, and is valued, loved, needed, and wanted, and, and is told they're beautiful and unique. But now they can bypass all that. They can go online, and they can get videos of people that say, I went through this, and guess what? The solution was I found out I was really a boy. So I had hormones and I became a boy and now I live happily ever after. Uh, and so they can get all these convincing anecdotal stories. And then the way culture and even laws are set up, they can go to the school for counseling, but the schools are forbidden to tell the parents, even though these are minors. And the schools can enable them, actually give them hormones, give them counseling instead of trying to encourage them to accept who they really are and work through the normal problems of life uh, or the pressures of society actually takes a, a, a child really that's struggling to identify their problems and may have many other problems, hormonal or psychological or social problems and say, well, your solution is to take some hormones but these hormones end up destroying puberty and can permanently damage them so they can never develop as a normal woman and typically become sterile and could never have children. And then maybe in a few years, that child grows out of it. That young adult now realizes that was a mistake, but now there's irreversible damage. So I really honestly think in the Old Testament, God pronounced judgment on people that sacrificed their children to Molech. I'm afraid that, especially when you talk about children, teenagers, minors, when we try to make these decisions for them that permanently alter their lives, permanently damage their bodies and their psychology and eliminate choices, we are sacrificing that child to a, an ideology that doesn't come from God's word, but is actually contrary. This book that I mentioned, Irreversible Damage, highlights that and says this is a social phenomenon where the way things are being taught in schools about the oppression of minorities and so on, that in some cases, almost everyone in the class, if they're not uh, already a person of a minority, such as African-American, Hispanic, they feel a certain pressure to identify, well, I'm lesbian or I'm bisexual or I'm transgender or I'm this or I'm that. So they now can become uh, treated favorably and they are rewarded and they are affirmed and they're celebrated. So imagine a child is going through a struggle and uh, going through psychological feelings of low self-esteem and what's wrong with me? My body is changing. Am I going to be accepted? And I'm getting loved. Am I beautiful? And then suddenly well, if you choose this identity, everybody's going to celebrate you. We won't even tell your parents. And so there's a phenomenon where this is sweeping through schools and friends. One friend identifies as transgender and then suddenly three or four also. Well, biologically, this is an extremely rare phenomenon and psychologically an extremely rare phenomenon. And historically, it was mostly boys who were struggling, not girls. So that the fact that this is changing so dramatically tells you this is not about biology. It's not about um, science. It's about social pressure 
and psychological pressure due to cultural shifts. And that should be very scary. Uh, those of us that believe in the Bible say, wait a minute, we should always structure our family, our personal identity, our society according to God's word. But even if you didn't uh, understand or go by God's word, just science should tell you and history should tell you, wait a minute, there's a drastic shift that can't be explained by biological reality. It is a social and cultural phenomenon that's detrimental to people. So let me just read something. Uh, that I wrote. It's in my book, The Apostolic Church in a Postmodern World. And this probably summarizes uh, what I think. As Christians, we should treat everyone with love, respect, and compassion. We should also bear witness that God has created humans as male and female, Genesis 1.27. While some erroneously suggest that gender is merely a social or psychological construct, it originates in God's creative purpose and is rooted in genetic and biological reality. In rare cases of atypical anatomy, qualified medical personnel can be consulted. Aside from such rare cases, families and society should strongly affirm each individual's biological anatomical gender. For those who experience gender dysphoria, that is, psychological distress with their sex or gender as determined by their physical anatomy, we recommend spiritual and professional counseling by qualified persons who are committed to biblical values. When children and youth experience confusion related to their social gender identity, we should provide them with biblically-based encouragement, training, and modeling. We should not block or subvert puberty through artificial means, as that would sacrifice children to social and political agendas in contradiction to both biology and theology. Um, so that's my basic position. I would further add, uh, because this comes up, our view is that public restrooms, changing rooms, and showers should be segregated by sex as determined by anatomy rather than as constructed by personal feelings and preferences. Private rooms can be designated uh, for those who express difficulty with the standard arrangement. Individual or family restrooms are already available in many public facilities. The privacy, modesty, Moral values, peace of mind, security, and safety of the overwhelming majority of people who affirm traditional biological gender should not be compromised for the sake of political expediency. Safety is an issue, not because of people who identify as transgender, but because of predators who could take advantage of the opportunity to harass or molest people of the opposite sex. And I'll just give you an example. This is happening more and more, but one example was Evergreen College in Washington State. Another one was a spa in California where a fully grown adult male was fully nude in a facility for women uh, and because he identified as I'm a woman. So he didn't have a sex change operation. He was in every way, biologically, uh, according to his anatomy, a full male. Yet he goes into facility that's reserved for women and even girls, even preteen girls, and displays himself fully nude in, in that public arena on the theory that I'm really a woman. Well, obviously, that's wrong. And basic principles of Christian teaching of modesty and uh, human sexuality and uh, avoiding fornication, lust, um, and affirming God's plan for marriage, all that should say, whatever ideology that allows something like that to happen is seriously flawed. 
And, and while we should have compassion and respect for people who are struggling psychologically, we cannot restructure our society against the Word of God. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share Apostolic Life in the 21st Century with a friend or family member. Finally, join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.